Welcome to the League of Champs, an arena where we invite everyday athletes, coaches, and entrepreneurs to discuss the methodologies they use to affect change and achieve purpose. League of Champs sits at the intersection of mindfulness and sport with one intention, victory. Join us. Internets, what's popping? Welcome to What's Up Wednesdays. Welcome to the League of Champs. Uh, man, still still a bit high from uh, this past weekend, Victory Mile. Our first event, <laughs> virtually, 2020. That's how this works. Uh, but wow, it was great to see everyone out there moving. Um, there was folks running with their dogs, walking in uh, the streets with their kids, doing some, uh, some folks doing some hiking. I mean, just such a mixed bag of people getting out there, moving for a greater good. Uh, we saw a few PR, so shout out to everyone who uh, had a PR this this last weekend. I was included, um, like a, a 15 second PR. I brought a pacer, man. Made all the difference. Uh, having a rabbit to chase, and yeah, thanks for everyone that shared on s- social. And yeah, we raised three thousand dollars for uh, Color of Change. Uh, got a couple of big donations from a couple of friends of mine. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. If you're listening to this, um, wow. It's, it feels good to be of service, support the movement through movement. Um, things went so well, we're going to do it again. Uh, come September, no official date yet. We're going to change the organization. But, yeah, this is a bit of what League is about, movement for the greater good, giving back, being of service. So if you have any ideas or there's some orgs that you think we should support or um, that you want to get out and get, get after it for, give us a shout. Hello. Email is hello at longlivethechamps.com. You can also DM us on social media, League of Champs, on Instagram. I have a Twitter, but it's not really set up yet. But yeah, welcome to What's Up Wednesdays. Anybody new to the scene, uh, What's Up Wednesdays is sort of like part uh, motivation, inspiration, uh, quick discussion, just me, no guest for now. I try to knock these things out within 20 minutes. It's just supposed to be a quick hit so that you can, uh, yeah, I can share some resources, share some things that we're talking about, ways to improve, um, ways to be more productive, ways to be more mindful, more, 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 uh, (laughs) ways to be more present. There we go. Um, And yeah, so to the new folks, welcome. What's up? Uh, So yeah, after I'll I'll kick it off, I'm going to knock this out. I got a lot to talk about today. I got some notes. Um, I mean, after victory mile, I was, I was like so emotional. It's, it's such a great feeling. As I mentioned before, you know, this, this concept of league of champs has been in my head for, for 10 years or, or longer. Uh, and you know, I'll never forget sitting in, um, in, in Brooklyn in Greenpoint last fall, sort of in between in in an interesting transition in my life and, um, you know, sitting in a coffee shop and in between jobs, not really knowing what was next. And just, I didn't know what else to do, but sit down and just write out the full sort of strategy, business plan, uh, concept for League of Champs. Finally get it all in one place. And uh, to see Saturday, kind of the full vision, if you would, just the beginning part of this, this journey sort of come alive. But more so than that, you know, less about me and, and more so, you know, the purpose behind it, the the greater good, the the movement, the joy that people experienced. Um, but also realizing, you know, that joy is is uh, 
was that was at the expense of of great loss you know um which is fair there there is duality in life i do believe and and we can hold both right we can experience that joy and we we need to experience that joy because of uh the loss and you know it was all about uh getting out and and getting moving for racial injustice and supporting color of change who's doing amazing work um but, you know, remember the lives of John Lewis and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, amongst many more. Um, but those are just, you know, some that come to mind over the last couple of months. And, you know, it's been very heavy at times. Um, so in the face of, you know, so much hate and so much grief, and so much going on in the world, you know, throw COVID on, on top of that, of course. And uh, to see people out there having such a good time is what this thing is all <laughs> about moving for the greater good um so yeah thank you to everyone uh who participated who shared who contributed um even though those, uh, those of you that just uh you know sent a donation and, and didn't didn't move uh thank you to you too but um you know a friend a friend of mine hit me up yesterday and um you know was feeling a, a little bit guilty about her her situation you know, in the context of what I was just talking about, you know, I, I felt that this, this kind of weird sense of like, man, that was really fun, but this is still really heavy on Saturday after Victory Mile, after I PR'd and, you know, I was walking to the car and, and just got really emotional. It's like a lot of stuff that I was holding um, came out and, you know, fast forward to, to Monday and a friend of mine hit me up and she was, she said she was, you know, feeling sort of guilty about her situation. Um, her and her husband have, have been able to sort of navigate this year uh, really well, and, and they're in a really good space, and they're, they're living out of the country, um, and she's been experiencing, like, you know, this deep and boundless uh, joy, and, um, you know, they have a beautiful space where they're at, and her business is, is, is doing really well, Um and, you know, they're close to the ocean. It's like all the things. It's like check a box <laughs> and she's, she's doing it. Um, but, you know, she reached out and she was like, Shan, she calls me Shan. Uh, my, my full name is Shannon Jamar Eaton Sangster, for those that don't know Jamar Eaton on social. But, um, you know, she, she reached out. She's a good friend of mine. She was like, you know, I've, I've been feeling guilty because, you know, I've been in such a good space and, and looking out at the world, you know, there's so much difficulty happening in the world. And, and, and I really identified with that because I kind of felt, um, the same way in a lot of, a lot of ways, you know, this year and, and being in a good space or be, having the ability to get out and run as much as I have, or, um, having the freedom to, to sort of pivot. And, you know, I've, I've spent the year here home and in Michigan at my parents and even felt guilty about that, that like, you know, I have the privilege to, to, to do that. But what we, we, we talked about was, was service, um, you know, is how can we continue to be of service? Um, and it, it, it really made a lot of sense, especially what, what just happened with Victory Mile. Um, because, you know, service has this great ability to, to take your blessings or where you sit in your life and help those, um, in need, right? Uh, I re remembered this, this interview with Will Smith and, uh, Martin Lawrence as they were doing, um, the press, um, tour for their last bad boys run. And, uh, you know, very interesting because obviously Will Smith has been in the news lately with his entanglements um, with his wife, which I, I, I'm always fascinated how 
caught up people get with certain things that have nothing to do with us. But nonetheless, um, he said in, in this interview on Sway, I will put it in the notes of, of this episode, but, uh, you know, he remarked when I, when he started, he had all these grand ambitions of what he wanted to do and what he wanted to be, you know, he said, I wanted to be the biggest movie star in the world. And I got my head around everything I wanted to do. Even though I achieved all those things, I realized on the inside, I was still that same insecure little boy that was trying to prove something to girls that had cheated and my father. And, you know, you can't achieve your way out of your childhood wounds and traumas. So he said, I made the shift and realized the only sustainable mission is to improve lives. I made the shift and be and from trying to be big and make money and be popular. I made the shift to make sure I was improving lives and the step in every excuse me, in every step of the way um, on this earth. And all of a sudden I started to experience healing. And that was really powerful to me. I mean quick side note, you know, some of the things he said in that statement, uh, with his current situation, but we're not even going to go there. That's not, we're not this type of, that type of show, but I thought that was really powerful in the context of experiencing healing behind service, because often we can sit in privilege and, you know, sit with these blessings, but how are we using them? Um, you know, how are we helping other people? It's, it's really simple in a lot of ways. Um, and, that uh, sort of connected. I I was watching a lot of John Lewis stuff over the past weekend because he he just passed away, um, and in in his remembrance, uh, you know, I, I saw a quote by him that said, "Do not get lost in a sea of despair. Be hopeful. Be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It's the struggle of a lifetime. Never ever be afraid." To make some noise and get in good trouble, necessary trouble. Um, and, and again, you know, John Lewis, a prolific man, a profound man, has had an amazing um, life of service, fighting this fight for, um, you know, social injustice, racial injustice, um, you know, was, was there when King got killed. Like, just this man of immense uh, uh, honor and, and, and virtue. Um, you know, says, make some noise and get in good trouble, necessary trouble. And to me, that's what good service is. You know, that's what Victory Mile was all about for all of us was getting out there and getting in some good trouble, causing ourselves some good pain, if you would, or maybe not, you know, maybe you just went on a a hike or a walk, but, you know, movement for a greater good that served a greater purpose. Um, And I think through that, we can all have the space to heal, you know, and, I've talked about this this Japanese concept of of ikigai before, right? And I put also this in the show notes again. And ikigai is this Japanese philosophy that combines, um, you know, the harmony of what the world needs, what you can be paid for, what you're good at, and you know what you love, and sort of at the intersection of you know what you're good at and what you love is your passion, right? And at the intersection of what you love and what the world needs is your mission, right? And at the intersection of what the world needs and what you can be paid for is your vocation, right? And what you're good at and what you can get paid for is your profession. And in the middle of of you know this chart, it's you're trying to find the harmony 
behind all these things. And, and just some quick background around Ikigai. Um, there's a book about this. I'll put this in the show notes as well. But uh, there's these blue zones in the in, in the world. And blue zones are essentially where there's a high collection of people that live over um, the age of 100 years old. And Okinawa, Japan is one of them. And they practice this concept of Ikigai. It's this this um, philosophy of, of never stopping work or never retiring. Uh, I've remarked on the show before. It's like my goal is to have a job I don't need a vacation from. It's, it's a pretty lofty thing, but it's the concept of, um, you know, combining this thing that I love so much with what I do on a daily basis. Um, you know, I talked about it on last episode uh, of What's a Wednesdays, you know, Phil Knight talking about this concept of play. Could he always feel like an athlete could he help other people you know feel like what professional athletes feel even though they were not professional athletes and you can see it baked into the dna of of nike so ikigai is this concept of um you know all these things and when i think about what the world needs right and um what our mission can be not only within league but as individuals and and when you start to ask yourself that you know what excuse me, what you love, what the world needs, you know, what you can be paid for and what is your vocation? What is your mission? How can you help people um, with what you do for work? Uh, you know, it reminds me of of the Buddha. I, I believe it's the eight, eight, eightfold path, you know, right, uh, right work, right speech, right? Um, there is an honor. You can't, you can't kill people every day and expect, expect to be <laughs> at ease. Right. Um, so there is an honor in a, in a way to go about life to cause less, less suffering and being of service is, is definitely, um, one of them. And so, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting question to ask yourself, how can we continue to be of service? And, um, you know, how can you, how can you listen to your intuition and how can you take these different concepts of, you know, what you're good at, what you can get paid for, what the world needs and what you love and, and combine them, um, over the span of, of, of your life. And so to, to transition from that sort of like learning and, and being of service, you know, talking about the mindful awareness of, um, leaning into your intuition and, and learning who, who you are as an individual is important in this process, especially as athletes. You know, when I think about those last two laps of, of my victory mile, you know, you, you get to know that pain well when you're training, right? You get to know what that suffering feels like. And, that, and that's why you train. Um, because you get to know yourself a little bit better in those moments of, of struggle and how you can push through. Um, essentially that's what sitting is. That's what mindfulness is. Um, when you get triggered, <laughs> when you, when you have uh, a moment of, of pain and you're in an argument. So, uh, after victory mile on, on Saturday, you know, I, I got in an argument with an old friend of mine and, um, it was really difficult. Uh, you know, I, I wanted a certain level of communication and it, it wasn't there, but I had to understand that I wanted that certain level of communication in order to protect myself. Um, and it's not something that I could necessarily expect of, of her. Um, but you know, it, 
it was interesting just how my ego just wanted things, you know, this certain way. And like, the, you know, I, I'm a very logical person in a lot of ways, but <laughs> add in some reactive emotion in, in that I can create logic, but it doesn't always make total sense. But in Victor um, Frankl's book, uh, A Man's Search for Meeting, he says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. And again, such a powerful statement regardless of whether we're an athlete and experiencing that pain and that last mile, that last rep, um, you know, that last lap of, of a victory mile, um, or in an argument with a friend or responding to an email at work, there is a stimulus and there is a response. And the more we can practice um, mindfulness, the more we can bring into that space a more conscious and compassionate response. I mean, all the time you might need to respond, right? There might be very valid emotions there. Um, But to be able to sit with those emotions and and respond consciously instead of being super reactive to whatever the argument is or trying to make a point, um, there is less suffering there and and so as we start to see these emotions rise when uh that pain arises like i said you're in that last lap there is a space that you can give yourself that sort of uh you can choose how you react and it's when we fail to see that space um and when we fail to give ourselves that space that we we suffer more you know it was a really tough argument to have and i wish i would have just taken some time to like sit with my thoughts before i responded and that then, you know, life works in very mysterious ways because uh, sometimes I get just these little seeds from things that I'm reading or, or you know, something that I watch. And it's like, oh, that makes sense for <laughs> something I just experienced. And I was listening to a podcast with uh, Jack Cornfield and um, Trudy, I think is his wife can't remember her name off the top of my head. I'll also put this in the show notes, but it was a really good episode. Um Because within it, Jack said, you know, in Vegas, there's a sign that says, in order to win, you must be present. In order to win, you must be present. And, you know, when I heard that, as I was listening to it, I believe on Sunday, it was like so profound. So, so profound. And then Trudy, I believe is his wife's name, goes into, um, you know, talking about the ego (laughs) and talking about how we get um, so caught up in the way that we want things to be. Right. And it was just such like a uh, an on time lesson. Yeah. Trudy Goodman is is Jack Cornfield's wife's um, name. And, you know, the ego can be a very powerful tool, right, in believing ourselves, preparing ourselves, um, you know, developing this wise relationship to trust our intuition and make the right decisions, um, but can also be a great weakness. We we can become reactive um, to stress, to a signal, to a failure, to a race not going our way, to trying to control a situation or a friend because, um, you know, we want things to be our way. Um, you know, insecurity is based off of fear. The, the mechanism or tactic in the face of that insecurity is then to try to control. Um, there's just a power in recognizing that space and letting go. There's also a power and in, in, this is scientific. <laughs> uh, I, I could attach, you know, very specific studies that say there's a science in the hope, um, the science, there's a science in the space. There is a science in being able to take space, um, 
before you react. And, you know, there's a science, there's a science in smiling, right? If you, if you're in an argument, try this, try this. The next time it happens, I promise you, if you're in an argument, uh, smile and, and force yourself to laugh for like 30 seconds to one minute, it will literally change the dynamic, the like, the chemical process that's happening in your brain and you will create a little space for yourself. I'm saying that now <laughs> so that I can also remember that too. In order to win, you must be present. It's such a profound um, statement. So simple, but so, so tough to practice sometimes, even when we're racing, right? It's like you have to really um, allow yourself to be in the moment. You can't get too far ahead or too far behind. You know, thinking about a basketball game, you make a turnover. You can't be caught up in the turnover. You got to get back and get on defense, right? So um, in order to win, you must be present. But this is this is all a lesson in learning how to deal with difficulty um, to meet being triggered by whatever is happening to practice creating space before we react, you know, as both athletes and individuals and be kind to yourself in the process. You know, it's it's difficult. Jack Cornfield also has a wonderful meditation um, that I will also post in the notes of this. I feel like I'm going to be posting like six references in this, uh, the notes of this, but um, where he walks through a, a beautiful meditation where it's like, you know, you come into the body and you let your body sort of go and experience all the pain or, you know, whatever pulses it needs to, to feel. And um, then you give thanks and, and you say to your body, thank you for trying to protect me. And you have to understand sometimes that that's what's happening in those moments is that there is an aspect of you and your anger and your frustration and your fear um, and how you react to those things that is it's very natural. It's, it's trying to protect you when you're in that last mile and your body's screaming, stop, you know, it is trying your body is trying to protect you. The beauty is you can override that. And something really cool is actually happening right now. I'm going to remark on this. Um, so I'm sitting here making this podcast and a hummingbird just kind of flew in front of the window and, and went back and forth <laughs> for a second. Um, there's a bird feeder in the, the backyard uh, and uh that there's a few hummingbirds, but that was really cool. I feel like that was a good symbol and a, a good sign of what I was trying to say there. But um, mindfulness does allow us the ability to stay with the difficulty long enough to learn from it. And that's honestly what we're trying to do with practice, practicing more mindfulness. We're trying to get to know those parts of ourselves that need that attention. Um, that's what we're doing as an athlete. We're, we're getting to know those parts of ourselves that need to improve, you know, what we're working on, what sort of tactics that we can take to meet our objectives. Um, so there's an aspect in developing your intuition, your gut reaction, and listening, listening to that as an athlete, but also as an individual. Um, you know, like I said, you practice running that 5K so many times so that, you know, by race day, you you have this sort of ingrained, uh, you know, reflexive intuition um, that allows you to, to step in a flow and know when to push, know when to go, um, have a very, uh, you know, innate understanding of the work that you've done and what your ability is. And I think that translates a lot in, into life. Um, but it's not always that easy, right? You know, Oprah once said, oh, wide, oh, wise Oprah, when you don't know what to do, my best advice is to do nothing. And it's, it's, it's very hard to do nothing, right? I find myself in, in a lot of moments, it's difficult to sit still. I, you know, I was the kid that was running all over the place. I'm still the adult <laughs> that is running all over the place, obviously, but it is, 
when you do not know what to do, do nothing. And that is what sitting still is. Even if you do know what to do, there is a wisdom in, in sitting with it. So, um, you know, mindf- mindfulness allows us the ability to stay with the difficulty long enough to learn from it. So the last thing I have for you today is this felt sense prayer that I got from Tara Brock like years ago. And um, it's it's just a beautiful reminder of what how we approach difficulty in our life. And, I, and I'm talking about difficulty so much today because I look out at the world and I and I see all of us. I see myself. I see um, our society, our culture, um, you know, from the government to to your neighbor, everyone's dealing with what's happening in this, these difficult times. But also, um, you know, people are finding joy. People are finding ways to work through these things. And to me, that is what life is about, is finding ways to meet victory or to meet difficulty, to 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 meet difficulty and see victory through that difficulty. And to me, that's what a champion really is. So this is the felt sense prayer. I am the pain in your head, the knot in your stomach, the unspoken grief in your smile. I'm your high blood sugar, your elevated blood pressure, your fear of challenge, your lack of trust. I am your hot flashes, your cold hands and feet, your agitation and your fatigue. I am your shortness of breath, your fragile low back, the cramp in your neck, the despair in your sigh. I am the pressure on your heart, the pain down your arm, the bloated abdomen, your constant hunger. I am where you hurt, the fear that persists, your sadness of dreams unfulfilled. I am your symptoms, the causes of your concerns, the size of imbalance, your condition of disease. You tend to disown me, suppress me, ignore me, inflate me, coddle me, condemn me. I am not coming forth for myself, as I am not separate from all that is you. I come to garner your attention, to enjoy your embrace, so I can reveal my secrets. I have only your best interest at heart, as I seek health and wholeness by simply announcing myself." You usually want me to go away immediately, to disappear, to sleep back into obscurity. You mostly are irritated or frightened and many times shocked by my arrival. From this stance, you medicate in order to eradicate me, ignoring me, not exploring me as your preferred response. More times than not, I am the most recent notes of a long symphony, the most evident branches of roots that have been challenged for seasons. So I implore you, I am a messenger with good news, as disturbing as I can be at times. I am wanting to guide you back to those tender places in yourself, the places where you can hold yourself with compassion and honesty. If you look beyond my appearance, you may find that I am a voice from your soul, calling to you from places deep within that seek your conscious alignment. I may ask you to alter your diet, get more sleep, exercise regularly, breathe more consciously. I might encourage you to see a vaster reality and worry less about the day-to-day fluctuations of life. I may ask you to explore bonds and the wounds of your relationships. I may remind you to be more generous, 
and expansive or to attend to protecting your heart from insult. I might have you laugh more, spend more time in nature, eat when you are hungry and less when pained or bored, spend time every day, if only for a few minutes, being still. Wherever I lead you, my hope is that you will realize that success will not be measured by my eradication, but by the shift in the eternal landscape from which I emerge. I am your friend, not your enemy. I have no desire to bring pain and suffering into your life. I am simply tugging at your sleeve too long immune to gentle nudges. I desire for you to allow me to speak to you in a way that enlivens your higher instincts for self-care. My charge is to energize you, to listen to me with the sensitive ear and heart of a mother attending to her precious baby. You are a being so vast, so complex, with amazing capacities for self-regulation and healing. Let me be the one of the harbingers that leads you to the mysterious core of your being where insight and wisdom are naturally available when called upon with a sincere heart. I mean, to me, (laughs) I know that's a little long and I'm running a little long on this episode, but it really embodies uh, so much of what it means to sit with struggle, so much of what it means to sit with pain, so much of what it means to sit with difficulty, but in a loving way and have a deep purpose. Um, what it means to experience joy even and, and, you know, moments of stillness, looking out into nature um, and experiencing that in all its glory. That is what's possible. There's a large amount of science <laughs> that can go uh, behind those moments and how that alters, you know, our brain, our mood, um, how that plasticity can help us to suffer less. So that is today's episode. I hope <laughs> that you can gain um, something from this and, and put it into practice this week week. I, I, if there's one thing that I would ask of you, I would ask, how can you be of service um, to your community, to those in need? Um, what is one thing that you can do to help someone, um, to, to make someone around you better, especially people that don't have the resources themselves to do so? So with that being said, What's Up Wednesdays, it's over. We've got uh, Elissa Schenkel from uh, Heal House next Monday uh, for our full episode. Great conversation with her. Heal House is um, uh, like yoga, meditation, healing studio in Clinton Hill and Brooklyn. They do amazing work, um, black owned, black started. So definitely worth checking out that episode next Monday. Until then, friends, be well. Let's continue to do amazing things with this life and help those during the process. Take care and see you next week. Cheers.